I want to kill everyone that doesn't share my ideology. Welcome to the Electronic Wireless Show. I'm Brendan. You're listening to episode 33. Uh, it's the 15th of February. Uh, and I am joined today by John Walker. Hello. And Matt Cox. Hello. Thank you both for being here. This is going to be a fun podcast because we are talking about morality. And uh, do you know how I know it's going to be a fun podcast? Because of your telepathic psychic powers? No, we've actually recorded the intro twice, but there was an audio (laughs) mishap. So this is the second time we've done it. But it's still good because I know it's going to be a good podcast. So look forward to talking about morality with Matt and John. You You could have let people think you were magic. This is a waste opportunity. I'm not, though. That would have been a lie and therefore immoral. Good point. Let's try and talk about something that sounds naturally like it flows into Matt starting talking about um, Mass Effect. And then it will sound seamless and we won't need to acknowledge it. Well, I just wanted to say that if a lie causes happiness, then it could be moral to lie. I disagree. Morality is well explored in all its forms in video games, and we're going to talk about it wholly. Anyway, morality in video games. Uh, we're talking about morality, we're talking about tough moral choices that you make in games, the, the morality systems that games have that are often like black and white. Um, do they even make sense? Stuff like that. That's what we're talking about. We're gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna ask you both now. I'm gonna ask Matt first. What is the toughest moral choice that you had to make in a game? I am pretty sure it's the one in Mass Effect 2 where, uh, so there are the Geth in Mass Effect, which are these robotic, well, they're software lifeforms, and you reach a point, I think Mass Effect 2 spoilers are fine, where you, there's a bunch of, like, rogue Geth that are working against you, and you can either rewrite essentially entirely rewrite them so that they serve your cause and you've changed all of their beliefs and value systems or you can delete them all and so yeah that's it is it more moral to repurpose them or to or to kill them and it's interesting because the um the Paragon, because Mass Effect has the Paragon and Renegade system, which I'm sure we'll talk more about, where some of your actions, whatever action you do, it's either Paragon or Renegon, Renegade. Did I say Renegon? Renegade. It's all... Renegon and Paragade. 
correct. Uh, yeah, so it's either you have done a good thing or a bad thing, and it signs the good thing to the rewriting them rather than killing them. Um, and I would probably say that is ultimately the best one, but I think it it's well. Okay, first of all, what what do you guys think? Do, do either of them matter though? Because they're robots. What? If they're thinking, feeling beings, if they have qualia, to use the philosophical term, if they, if they, if there is something that it is to be, well, actually, no, that's not true. If they, basically, if they can suffer, then your <laughs> moral decision is relevant. This is, it's so fun to watch you get wrapped up in your, your philosophy. <laughs> um, they are robots, though, so, you know. Why is that relevant? They're robots, you know, they're just... Okay. They're just robots. So. Okay, so first thought experiment with robots. If you could replace every uh, cell in your brain with a silicon equivalent, you would be a robot. No, I wouldn't. I would. I would still have a human body. But it's made of what? Okay, then what makes a robot a robot? They're metal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. But there's okay. So they're silicon, right? So if you had the functional equivalent of every part of you a metal equivalent you can see that you'd still yeah then i'd be a robot yeah okay and the moral you would be moral morality apt yeah you can do what you like with me at that point what (laughs) (laughs) well i'm a metal man so (laughs) oh wow philosophy degrees would be a lot easier with brendan No, I, I'm just winding you up because I know this I is know, your forte. I know. Um, but uh, yeah, one of, we asked this question to the readers and one of the readers' listeners um, did say the exact same um, moment in Mass Effect as you. Uh, so that, that, is a, that, is a, uh, that is a known mm. a known problem. I think, I think it's a good one. What, what do you guys think? What is your on-the-face-fit reaction to that? Wait, wait, wait. About, about the robots or about... The, uh, forget the robots. The, the specific... <laughs> do you reprogram the Geth or do you uh, or do you wipe them out? I think I couldn't bring myself to wipe out the Geth. I think... I genuinely can't remember. But if I were making the decision now, it would be to reprogram them. I, I think I did reprogram them just because I didn't want to kill them. It was the least worst choice. See, I think it makes what makes it the clear right choice are the consequences around it. So because you're repurposing them to a better circumstance, it's like ignoring you can sort of put aside the how much it affects them to how much the benefits are to the world as a whole. But I think what's really interesting is if you if if you ignored that, if it just came down to their individual to the individual thing which is do you to move it away from robots even like do you if you had the ability to entirely change someone's beliefs and those beliefs were say well terrorist ones though they were i want to kill everyone that doesn't share my ideology if it came down to do you just brandy just cut that out and then put that at the beginning of the podcast that line (laughs) (laughs) if it came down to do you change their beliefs or do you kill them i don't think there is a right answer there i mean this is a when I was writing my dissertation, this is a conclusion I came out of it, which I didn't go into, which was, didn't go into it holding, which was either decision you make seems to run against uh, certain intuitions about what it is correct to do. Because, like, 
ultimately reprogramming is is slavery like it's sort of the ultimate form of slavery and you can you like it's easy to see the problem with it when you just say well would i rather die or have my entire being repurposed to serve values that i don't currently do i think you're getting wrapped up in it man. i think it's pretty <laughs> straightforward like you just just don't kill them they can be re-reprogrammed but, but is that what you would want to happen to you yeah i obviously don't want to die but isn't that worse than death? To, to, no, to start? no, no. Death is the end of everything. That's the worst thing that can happen. But doesn't it also constitute death in a very real way? No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the death of yourself. It's like what makes you you are the the motivations that drive you. And We've yeah, been the through this, Matt. What makes me me is that I'm not made of metal, all right? <laughs> As long as that stays true, and I don't get killed, that... Everything's fine. I'm fine with thinking something new. So if I could press a button that made you want to do, commit horrible moral atrocities, you'd rather I press that button rather than the one that killed you? Oh, okay. That's not fair. That's not fair, because you've changed it. It's my... <laughs> you've but... changed the thing that we were talking about. Have I, though? Because now you're talking about, now you're talking as if the Geth were nice before, <clears throat> and then you reprogram them to be terrorists. But my point is it works either way. And I, I mean, this is, you, you have to sort of remove the exterior consequences thing, which is... Which you shouldn't do, because what? it's based on circumstance. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right, you shouldn't do. But I get, I guess you are right in that that is a separate point. And my point is, if you removed the, the exterior circumstances, it would still... It would still be the case. So I, I guess the more accurate thing is if I could press a button that would make you want to commit moral atrocities, but you'd never be able to, would you still rather I press that button than you die? Yes, that's fine. Okay, I would definitely press the die button. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, John. Hello. What is the hardest moral decision you've ever had to make in a game? I've been thinking about this and I just I don't think there are any. <laughs> As in you never, like, stopped for even two minutes to think over something? I don't think so, because I always have this problem that my, my instinct is to go for what seems more narratively interesting. Oh, that's uh. interesting. So, although that's not 100% true, I'm not going to just say, oh, it might be more narratively interesting to, to do something atrocious. The problem is, with games, is doing something atrocious is almost always the least narratively interesting option. So if you play uh, one of the, you know, a Bioware RPG and you're just a dick to everyone, you tend to have a much less good game. Then many fewer side quests become available to you. You shut down all the interesting plot angles because no one wants to talk with you or play with you anymore. Um, so I tend to find that, yeah, I'm more driven by what I think is going to make a better story than what's a better moral option. Hmm. I think that's a good answer. Thanks. Yeah. Points, points taking away for saying the D word in the middle of it, though. It's nothing wrong. <laughs> With a willy, thank you. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, a lot of the games like um, Mass Effect and Dragon Age and stuff like that, Bioware games or Knights of the Old Republic things, don't really let you walk a middle line very often. And if you choose the bad thing, like being a jerk to everybody then yeah like you say it's not it's often not very interesting but the good thing i don't think is more interesting a lot of the time i think the 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 exception to this would be 
the one the Knights of the Old Republic, which was the game I did for many years ago for Eurogamer. I played, I played. I just had this idea pitched to uh, then editor Tom Tom Bramwell um, that I just go through the game and just make all the worst choices and see how see what it's like. Do all the horriblest things. And the uh, result was um, ended up being a three part feature because it was such a such an elaborate experiment. Um, and in the first, so in the first third, I, it was horrible. I was literally wincing as I pressed the mouse buttons to do these awful things like this. A lady comes up to you and says, oh, have you found, I've, I've got this dragon skull plate thing. And if I'm, if you buy it from me, I can feed my children. My husband's been killed and, and, and I, and I have no way to, to feed my children. Um, and you could buy it from her for the regular price and, and that will help her. Or you can choose to give her loads more money, which is what I would have done in my first playthrough. Or you could take it from her and tell her you can't have anything. Go away. You can steal it from her and threaten her. And like doing stuff like that felt just the worst, just abhorrent. And I was making those sorts of actions or wincing. And then by the second part, I was sort of getting into the groove of it a bit more. Like, okay, this is the return I go through. So you know that bit where there's the uh, the two warring families. They sort of do a Romeo and Juliet story. Mm. And what feels like you're meant to do is is have them to get married and get the two families united but it turns out that the worst you could do is turn them trick them into hating each other and then the two families slaughter each other oh. uh, and you can cause it and i was thinking ah, that's quite, quite funny and then by the third part i was relishing it i was really <laughs> enjoying just doing the worst things possible so mission my one of my favorite characters in a game ever I, I murdered her. I murdered Mission by the end of the game, and I thought it was hilarious. And I realised what's happened is I, I've I've turned to the dark side. <laughs> so did you murder Mission? I don't actually remember. I caused her to be dead. I can't remember that, how that, it the, happened now. It, well, it happens so horribly because I mean, oh, Knights of the Old Republic, you'd be so evil because um, yeah. There's so Mission when you first meet her, she has a Wookiee friend who I've forgotten the name of. Oh yes, that's what so it was. I remember yeah, now. <laughs> so you save the Wookiee's life so that he owes you a life debt, which means you can tell him to do whatever you want. Like he's basically your slave, which is super dodgy. Anyway, but if you if you're evil, you can get him to kill Mission, <laughs> um, and he'll do it. Like because even though but he's he doesn't, known... it's not like he goes, oh okay, I'll do that. It's like. He's torn asunder yeah. by the horror of the thing he is duty bound to do it's... in your evil name. <laughs> so oh my goodness! Awful. And it's like, oh, it's it's awful because I loved Mission. She was a much hated <laughs> character at the time because she was a very well written fourteen year old girl, mm. um, and she acted in a very honest and truthful and brave and exciting and silly way. And yeah, I loved I like Mission. Mission. And turning on her was should have been the worst moment for me of the whole game. But by this point, I'd become so evil. I think I, if I looked in the mirror after I finished those articles, I would have had a big brutal scar all down one side of my face. <laughs> so we find out what the uh, we find out that you haven't made tough moral choices so much as you've had a fun time making <laughs> bad moral choices. The series was called Bastard of the Old Republic, and it's it's give it a give it a, a Google. It's one of the better things I've written. We'll we'll put a link to it in the uh, in the article and in the description. Because it sounds like you had a good time. Oh, yes. Even if every other NPC did not. And even better, I got paid £360 for replaying Lights of the Old Republic. Big bucks, the big bucks. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's have a think about... This is actually boring as hell. <laughs> do, we want to have a, do we want to have a think about morality systems? 
I want to ask Matt. I want to ask Matt a question. Yes. Yeah. Go on, Matt. What are the moral implications of teleporting clones? Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Tele- okay, when you say teleporting clones, the clones that result as a consequence yeah, that's of teleportation. Right. So the reason for this is I was... I can't remember if I've told this story on the podcast before, so I'll cut it out if I have. I was at a pub with um, former PC Gamer writer Tom Francis, now developer of Heat Signature and the like, um, and uh, former editor of... Or former Deped, I think, on XP magazine, uh, someone called Tam... Oh my goodness, I've forgotten her name. Tamsin? No, it wasn't. Oh my goodness, I'm so rude, I've forgotten her name. Anyway... Uh, the two of them were chatting. They'd never met before, and they both found out they'd done philosophy degrees. Mm-hmm. And oh, no. so one said to the other, "What's your uh, what was your dissertation?" They said, "Oh, the moral implications of teleported clones." And the other one said, "That was the name of my dissertation," <laughs> <laughs> which was one of the strangest moments of my life. Weirdly, they didn't oh. instantly get married, which I thought should have happened. Well, they can't get married because they're obviously different versions of each other. That's true. Tanya is, of course, the name, and I apologise to Tanya. Okay, so I've got a slightly cheaty answer in that I remember Tom Francis talking about this on an old PC Gamer podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I bet I brought it up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I quite liked his response to it, which is if you're living in a world in which you can create morality, sorry, in which you can create an entire being that easily, like his argument was, well, that creation, the, the act of creating an entire an entire being offsets the bad moral stuff from um so i've just realized this is a slightly different thing in that this is just answering the question of is it okay to destroy yourself in the process of teleporting yeah which is essentially what the question is about isn't it it's about because teleportation is is death and rebirth yes um, but the, although the way they not, what wait, wait, what <laughs> so if you tell so brent if i teleport myself i yeah. i stop it it's not like the actual parts of me are transported by a lorry to where I'm going. Yeah, they are. So yeah. I'm just obliterated <laughs> and then re-put back together somewhere else. So there's been a death and a rebirth. And so the way that Tom and, and Tanya put it at the time was they said, if I obliterate you, then rebuild you, you feel like you've been teleported. But what if I rebuild you first and then obliterate you? Is that not murder? And that, and so they were asking, why is it not murder when it's the other way around? No, no, it, it's not murder at all because it's you. <laughs> yeah, but as soon You're as... You're the it... one who gets... You just get broken and then sent somewhere. If you create another me somewhere else and then stab the original me to death to get rid of it, is that surely that's murder? This teleportation's weird, though. Are you? It is. It is weird. So hang on. Are you telling me every time they beam up and down in Star Trek? Yeah. That's that's those are different people every time. Well, it depends. What it depends. It's a metaphysical question of what constitutes survival and preservation of identity, and whether those two things are the same. And. I remember writing an interesting essay on this two years ago, <laughs> but I can't remember what my real conclusions were. But it's it's interesting stuff. Though though I would argue uh, less relevant than <laughs> other moral <laughs> dilemmas. But there should be a video game about this, and that's why it's relevant. Do you know what? There is. It's just framed in a slightly different way. Yeah, there's swap it's so- Soma. Oh, uh, yeah. It's framed in an entirely different way, but the idea is the same. So I haven't actually played Soma, which is silly, because I'd really like it. That's very silly, because by the signs of everything you speak you speak about and you love philosophy, you should definitely yeah. give Soma a go. See, I started playing and then got bored with the monsters where I just couldn't progress, and I wasn't, well, I wasn't really scared of them. It was just 
too awkward to sneak past them. So I really should go back and play it now that they've added the mode where you don't have to contend with the monsters and they've just removed them. Uh, you absolutely should because it has a great philosophy angle. Yeah, no, I've been meaning to for a while, so I will. But 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 morality systems in general, do we think that they are well done or badly done? Well, any system that says this thing you've done is definitely good, this thing you've done is definitely bad, is obviously nowhere near as nuanced as it should be. So all your panicking... I can't say Paragon and Renegade properly, apparently. So that's obviously going to be limited. One thing I was going to raise was um, the Planescape Torments model, which um, instead of a binary thing, it's all of your actions guide you towards certain coloured orbs that represent your values. And so there's often, like, you, you fill multiple orbs at once, but there's often tension between them. So one might be actions that are good for the individual, and another might be actions that are good for society. That, I think, is probably the most interesting approach to interpreting your the, your values in a game. I've never played Planescape Torment, so I don't know the... Uh... Hang on. I said Planescape Torments then. What I actually mean is Planescape Tides of Numenera? I get confused oh. as to which one is which. Okay. That's worse of me because I have played that one. <laughs> I still don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I've always felt like they, they don't make sense, the whole Paragon Renegade thing. It's very simple. There's always usually two answers and you feel like you should just shout at the screen, no, I want to do the third thing mm. that isn't listed here. Yeah. Um, which will solve all our problems. But I guess when you're making a game, you can't you can't do so many branching paths. It would be too too mad. It would be too too much to handle. Do you not think Divinity Original Sin Two handles it quite well? I haven't played enough of it to know. Ah, I think it does a good job with that because it doesn't. It's not so simplistic. It just it does seem to just have an interestingly ambiguous morality. Does it have a like? meter that tracks your no does it um because i'm just remembering does it track your reputation with people I, actually... know, i'm struggling to remember now as well because <laughs> actually that's an interesting thing um not knights of the old republic but knights of the old republic 2 or maybe they both it was definitely a big thing in knights of the republic 2 that um all of your actions instead of the well they also had the light and dark side thing but they also had every every character responds to your actions in different ways so according to their values you'll you'll get on with them more or less and they might betray you at certain points if you go against their values that was a cool way of putting morality into a game i guess or or not necessarily morality but different different values hk47 will remember Uh, that (laughs) i love hk47 um, I think his moral system, his moral code would be excellent, but it's invalid because um, he's a robot. So, <laughs> <laughs> um... What about Wally? Would you just stamp on him? Would it matter if I stamped Wally to death? I wouldn't stamp on Wally um, because he's rare and probably worth quite a bit. Um, wow. Do animals matter to you? <laughs> uh... Yes, they're not made of metal. So. Yeah, but they also aren't people. And you seem to be drawing your line very firmly underneath people. No, animals are grand. Animals are okay. So uh, a, ro- a, per- a a metal thing that has otherwise exactly the humanity and personality of a, of a people, you would happily murder. <laughs> but a cat is fine. Um, yeah, a metal cat, no. Right. 
you need to read up on functionalism. Functionalism. Yep. So it's the what matters is the the function of a thing. So what rather than it's what it is made up of. And so you can have mental states that are realized in entirely different ways. So the early example of replacing all of your brain cells with the silicon equivalent, you would still have a functional system that was morally apt, morality apt. Wouldn't be a nice squishy brain though. <laughs> what about I started watching that altered carbon thing last night, but I fell asleep 15 minutes in because I wasn't <laughs> feeling very well. Um, but that seems to be human bodies are sleeves, they call them, and your personality is just downloaded into a different human body. So that's where now you've got your your squishy bits are all there, but it's the person is is independent of that. The person that's is science. stored on a, a metal disc, which I oh, I totally accept. Well, you, what makes you you is ultimately it, it's like a pattern. That's your that's your consciousness. It's it's not it's it's data, and yeah, there are there are all sorts of claims for that. But I mean, that's the anti-Cartesian view of a split between that there is a split between mind and body oh most... ding 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 he's <laughs> anti-cartesian <laughs> that's today's word of the day today's philosophical term of the day <laughs> uh i no i i want to go with functionalism for that uh, okay um a good game when you're talking about sleeves and transhumanism and stuff just to keep it vaguely on gaming uh is sundogs we've we've spoken about it before on the podcast it's like a um, interactive fiction thing where you're a transhuman going around the the universe or what would it be called a post-human going around the solar system and you get a sleeve and you basically have a new life every time you get a new sleeve but it's still you and you're having just having a grand old time seeing the solar system it's really good fun you should check it out yeah no that sounds fun um what else was i going to ask you all about morality well we you haven't given your best moral quandary my toughest moral choice. Yeah. I didn't, to be honest, I didn't think of one. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I think Papers, Please is probably the best game for making you stop and worry about what it is you're actually choosing to do. Mm, that's a good job. Um, I like games, like you said, like um, Tides of Numenera or Divinity, Original Sin 2, where they don't, they don't have a meter or they don't try and quantify it in a explicit you know numerical way like you've gone this far red or you've gone this far blue i just like it when they mix it into the story and have consequences leading from one or one choice or the other i mean papers please does have kind of a numerical thing going on in that you need money and that's driving you the whole time mm. um but it, it it often feels like there's the moral choices that you're making like do i let this person through or do i throw them away and the money is a factor in the choice. It's not the be-all and end-all of the choice. Well, yeah, because the, the game ends if you run out of money. Um, so that you ha you can't save everyone, right? If you want to maintain your position where you can keep giving some people the benefit of the doubt, then there are people that you're going to have to turn away because every time you every time you make the wrong decision, you get fined. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely an int a really interesting tension there yeah so i i definitely think it's the best of it, it's made me feel the most uncomfortable and 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 you know bad about sending people away or about ma making a bad decision and having it you know literally blow up 
in people's faces. But surely the thing, surely the thing with Papers Please is that it's a game about the only moral choices to stop playing, because the game functionally requires you to be amoral or it ends. Well, but but this is what I was saying is you're if you accept that you are going to if you if your role as that border guard you are going to try and help people in that in that then maintaining your position as that guard is probably the moral thing to do yeah you have to do a bunch of bad things to do some of the good things exactly i mean you could just start playing and then your effect would be null <clears throat> but it wouldn't be good um but I get what you, you get what you mean about stop playing. There's another game. I forget the name of it. Um, it's about watering plants. Pip <laughs> um, <laughs> would know. Um, we did discuss it as well on a, a previous podcast. I'll link to it. Um, but it's a game where you're where you're watering plants in a in a garden. You've been put there. Um, it's Which kind plant of plant is it most feel, morally deserving. No, it feels like a prison basically. Like this man comes and, see, and he delivers seeds, and you plant them, and you water them, and then you go to bed, and you wake up the next day. They've grown a little. He comes back, he gives you more seeds, and he's like, "You're doing a good job for the country." And every now and again, you'll see a plane going over, and you'll think, "Oh, the war must be going well." Um, <laughs> and you think, "Oh, you know, you're." He says at one point, "Also, like you're helping the war effort and stuff like that." But then it becomes clearer the more you play that you are helping the war effort. Um, but in a, a different way than you thought you were, um, and 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 at that point, it did feel to me the same way that you said, John, with papers, please, where the best moral decision is to stop doing what I'm doing completely. The game doesn't allow you to just go to sleep again and again, like and nothing happened. You have to keep doing this, your job for the story to progress. Um, so, uh, but but I'll find out the name for it. Hang on. Talk amongst yourselves. I just wanted to say, uh, I wanted to briefly talk about the Red Strings Club, though not for long because I talked about it a few weeks ago, but that is a very good one for putting an interesting moral decision in front of you. Uh, which is, again, to do with liberty. And uh, I can't say exactly what the decision is because spoilers, but it boils down to that. It's a similar thing where you are in very dangerous moral territory the moment you are deciding what's best for other people. But at the same time, deciding what's best for other people could be the most moral thing to do in certain cases with certain caveats and limitations. The Red Strings Club is the cyberpunk bartending game Yes, that you uh, spoke about, I think, last week or the week before. Yep. The game I was talking about is called A Good Gardener, by the way. We'll put a link to that as well. Um, so yeah, so that was my answer. Yeah, I might check that out. That sounds good. Um, shall we play a little game? Mm-hmm. Yes. There's another game by Morality, sadly not available on PC, but it's called Catherine. And in Catherine, you are a, a, a man who's having an affair on his... Uh, girlfriend, his long-term girlfriend, uh, Catherine, with another girl called Catherine, um, with a C instead of a K. And at the end of every, it's like a puzzle game basically with a story in between, but at the end of every puzzle you have a nightmare every night, you have to climb a bunch of blocks in a certain way, um, and at the end of it, every night you get, uh, you have to go into a confessional and have a question, <laughs> answer a question, you basically pull one rope or the other. So I'm going to ask you guys the questions from Catherine. Uh, 
I'm excited. Bring it on. Not all of them, because there's like 67 or something. Uh, but I'm going to ask you a small selection. And they each have Renegon and Paragade, um, <laughs> uh, you know, sides to them and the answers. So I'm going to add up your answers and see which of you is Renegade and which of you is Paragon. Okay. Uh, or Law and Chaos, as Catherine deems the things to be. Well, that's an interesting statement in itself. So, yeah. So here's the uh, here's the questions. Have you ever looked up a dirty words for kicks? Yes or no? When I was in middle school and I got my uh, first dictionary, I, I highlighted some rude words in a ye- with a yellow highlighter when I was ten. Well, this is an interesting question, though, because it's are we the same people as we were then? Because yes, my answer's the same. I've done that. I, I used to, but the person that I am now wouldn't. I'm putting you both down as yeses. Matt, are you saying, <laughs> Matt, are you saying you've replaced every board in your boat and therefore you're innocent of your dictionary crimes? I'm saying we don't need to replace every board in our boat to constitute being a different person. If you're going to be super technical about it, replacing one of those boards, the, the metaphorical <laughs> boards that form <laughs> our Matt, have you looked up a dirty word in the dictionary or not? Come on. <laughs> yes. Look, my go. wife and I were trying to make Google Assistant swear only three days ago. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> You're both yes. Could you ever be paid enough to go nude in public? No. Mm. Who was that, John? Oh, hang on. Did you say paid enough to be nude in public? Yeah, paid. Well, yeah, obviously. I'm not stupid. Give me like <laughs> a million pounds. I'll show people my willy. And then you give it to charity and think of all the moral good you've done. No, I put it in <laughs> in stocks and shares ices. That's what I do with it. All right, so I'm putting down Matt as yes and John as very yes. <laughs> Could you have sex with an attractive ghost? <laughs> Genuine question from Catherine. Is it a moral It sounds more like a practical question. Is it possible? <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Do you want to hear the, the exact wording of the answers they give you? Yes, please. Very much so. Alright, so there's one that's, I'm not picky. And there's another one that says, no ghosts, please. Well, here's my, mor- I'm not picky. my, my moral situation with this is, I don't want to have sex with a ghost because I'm married to my wife and I would be cheating on her. But if my wife didn't exist, I'd be very interested to try having sex with a ghost. <laughs> well, I'm just going to just answer from now. Like, so... I'm going to put you down for no. Is it necrophilia? No, I, I think the question assumes you don't have other commitments. That would, that would be my interpretation. Because it's could you have sex with an attractive yeah. ghost? Well, again, once again, would but, but would not my bits pass straight through her bits? No, she, oh, well, she's a ghost, so I don't know. <laughs> That's Isn't that part of the definition of what a ghost is? Yeah. Well, hang on, what about if it's a poltergeist and could take on some form of corporeal form? If it can throw plates... Can it also engage in coitus? The question doesn't doesn't specify what kind of ghost it is, apart from saying that it is good looking. <laughs> that's, that's the key bit of information. Gonna have to have an answer, guys. I think it depends. I don't want to have sex with an evil poltergeist that's gonna put ectoplasm all over me. I'm gonna put you down no then, John. Man, but now I re- but I really want to have sex with a pretty ghost. Now you've put the idea in my head, <laughs> Matt. Yeah, yeah, I'm going. Yep, yep. <laughs> if practically possible, <laughs> I'm intrigued. Uh, which is the better life, 
Long and dull, or short and full? Short and full. Oh, man, that's a silly choice. <laughs> it is a silly choice because, you know, there there are multiple combos that you can have, but... But if you had to go for one of those... See, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm thinking morally, I'm going to go long and dull because that way I'm morally... I, I'm better able to look after my loved ones. Depends what counts as fullness. Yeah, that's Because I'd too. argue that's... Alright, let's move on. How does a life of no responsibility sound? As in, mm. does it sound good, sign me up, or no way? Initially good, but ultimately a source of existential angst. I'm afraid that that is not one of the two <laughs> answers here. <laughs> I think what we've discovered is that morality isn't binary, and that's where <laughs> these questions are falling short. Oh, God, right, oh. If only I'd known that at the start of my philosophy degree. Using the same <laughs> as Max logic, I would say no. So you're both no for that one. I think mm. the lack of responsibility could also make good things feel less good. That's well, yeah. That's a very interesting. Is how much we get joy out of things because of the contrast with the things that aren't joyful. Is there's a lot of a uh, philosophical meat there, which we shouldn't go into. What's the next question? Is it okay to lie? If you'll never be caught. No. No. 100% no. Both a no. I mean, I would say it, it depends on the consequences of that lie. Like, some lies have good consequences, and this is the problem with Kant. Um, what did you call me? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm still going no. Uh, which is more cheating? As in, which of these better fits the definition of cheating? An emotional tryst or a physical <laughs> fling? Uh, probably emotional. Hmm. Hmm is not one of the answers, John. <laughs> I'm picking physical. Oh, got a little difference here. Well, I guess my so the way I thought about it is which would I rather happen to me? And I'd rather someone remained emotionally committed to me, but succumbed to a physical distraction than the other way around. See, I disagree. I would rather someone uh, acknowledged that they had become emotionally attracted to someone and dealt with it than had slept with someone else. I, sp- hmm. Ooh, I don't know why, though. Gosh. <laughs> Didn't think that this stupid minigame would make you think so hard, did you? No. Okay, here's the toughest one. It's the last one. Are all men stupid? <laughs> <laughs> the answers are, like the possible answers you can give are, that's right, or not all men. <laughs> Hashtag not all men. Uh, I, I, well, I have to say yes for those. <laughs> of course, not all men are stupid. It's a silly question. Yeah, I'm quite clever, and I'm a man. <laughs> Unless every human is stupid in certain yeah. ways, which I think is true. All men are capable of being stupid. And I, well, yeah, but all men, I would say, I would go further than that and say all men, all humans, express. <laughs> stupidity. This is great. I've got you both now, both now, dead to rights, quoted saying, not all men. <laughs> so... No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying... <laughs> I'm saying yes. Matt's saying all men are stupid. And You're I saying just... all men are stupid. In certain ways, in the sense that all humans are stupid. See, but I'm not interpreting the question that way. I think it's a bit more absolute, and so therefore I'm saying no. Okay, fair. Fair, fair. I'm going to add these up now. Paragate, paragate, paragate. <laughs> John, I'm actually having to write this out now. Little tally marks. So. Skidjobby got that new pen. <laughs> Before the podcast, my pen broke. What the listeners didn't hear was Brendan's pen exploding. 
you're both red for that one. This is good radio. You're both red for that one. <laughs> good God. Blue to that. There's a definite trend happening here already. But Matt, I think most of the questions are stupid and Matt and I aren't stupid. I think that's the <laughs> what we've discovered. That's not what I was saying. Okay, John. John, I actually will start with you. Yeah? You are a lawful person because... I, I I don't have like the little summary bit from, from <laughs> Catherine, so I'm not going to be able to say exactly what they say about you. But I'm guessing that means you're blue. Um, you'll have to you've got to make your own summary summary summarize John's moral character. John is morally fine. Um, Phew, Matt, <laughs> you're red. Oh dear, you're more chaos than law, and that means you enjoy. Blonde Catherine's instead of brown-haired Catherine's. That's as much as I got from the game, anyway. <laughs> um, and the letter C instead of the letter K, which is weird because K feels more chaotic to me. Yeah, even though chaotic begins with a C. But it doesn't if you're really chaotic. You begin it with a K. Oh, good point. Um, so that's that game done. Ramesh, Professor Ramachandran argues that people finding things like the letter K to be chaotic or um, spiky is an example of synesthesia shared by all humanity. Yeah, so there's this super interesting wait, wait. stuff where... You um... didn't just make that up, that's an actual thing. That that's happened. an actual yeah. thing, yeah. Okay, our brains are mad. So, like, um, it's the same, and part of this is it's it's the same part of our brain that processes moral and physical disgust. And there are all sorts of weird things you can do with that. So if you um, put smelly rubbish in a room with people, they become more socially conservative. So they're more likely it's bizarre and I need to, I haven't got the methodology in front of me for this, so but so take it with a pinch of salt. But the findings of the study was like people are less likely to support gay marriage if you put them in a room with rubbish. What? And there's other stuff that backs it up. Like if you hold a um if you hold a cold can of drink in your hand, you're more likely to judge someone else as having a cold personality. Like our, our brains <laughs> think in like metaphors and it's <laughs> our brains are clearly not up to standard and we need a patch yeah well there's all sorts of our AI is very stuff that buggy we... <laughs> that really shouldn't factor into our decision making and our moral decision making but yeah cool it is cool no one tuning into this was expecting this discussion no <laughs> no um, they expected us to talk about killing little girls in Bioshock but blah 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 we all agree that's morally fine. We all agree on that. <laughs> Let's see what our readers said to the question, what is the toughest moral choice you had to make in a game? Uh, we got a f- fair amount of replies. Three. <laughs> Three is the fair number, yeah. isn't it? Uh, let me just find them. Richie Mull, who, for disclosure reasons I should say I know, says not screen watching in Halo 2 split screen multiplayer. I want to know what the moral concerns were about not acknowledging that you know him. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I, you know, I, I, I know him, he's my friend. I don't, yeah. I, I don't want to favoritise Favor people, favoritize. But by, but by saying you are, that makes it okay. Yes. Okay. Cool. 
there's, there's a certain logic. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're overanalyzing everything on this podcast. That's the idea. <laughs> That's philosophy, mate. A lot of people are saying the end of Life is Strange. I really thought you were going to say a lot of people are saying the N-word, then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's Twitter, anything can happen. Oh, um, just before we move in response to the, the last one about screen cheating, um, I saw that and it did get me thinking about, uh, not video games, but board games and the moral of the state. Is it immoral to really screw people over <laughs> in those games or is that cool because it's part of the game? Because I've had disagreements with people on this. What? As in you've been playing like the Resistance or Werewolf and people got angry with you because you lied? Well, not that so much as well, breaking alliances in the kind of games where you make alliances. So if so, if you broke an alliance with someone in Risk and they got annoyed at you, basically? Uh, there was more to it than that, but that's what it boiled down to. I think that that's fine. It's a game. Okay. We can all be friends afterwards. What about this? What it... about hiding money under the board in Monopoly? So think people think you have a lot less money than you do. Is that cheating? That's also fine. You can put it in your pocket too if you want. What? You've, I would say you've made a social contract to all enjoy that game on equal terms. It's called Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> you only have a social contract with yourself. That's a contradiction in terms. It's a terrible board game anyway. You shouldn't play it. Yeah, it is. Um, Mentasm says stealing old people's food during a war siege so I could eat in this war of mine uh, because it meant they starved to death ow yeah cool cool good work Um, (laughs) Um, (laughs) the last the last cat podcast says in 90s platformer croc Croc glitched out and ended up hanging from underneath a platform he was only supposed to be on top of. He was safe, but couldn't go anywhere. Did I leave him hanging, alive but trapped, or free him to his death? (laughs) That's excellent. Which I think is a very difficult choice. I don't think anyone else... That's much worse than the geth. I think it harks back to the short life or a full one or a long (laughs) one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I, I think that that is... yeah. Good shout. Um, Dragon Ike says, continuing to buy EA products. It's a hard choice. Really? We're going to go for EA? When last did EA do anything naughty? They always get... EA is always their go-to, isn't it? When, let's be honest, Warner. That's the one everyone should be angry with. Warner never supply review code. <laughs> they don't, they're really unhelpful. They don't... Their Lego games to turn out all the time half broken and they never care. See, this is just on the Warner is bad for you, right? Because yeah. this sounds like all things that are annoying for a journalist. Well, I would argue that EA are annoying in, in that they make games that are annoying to play often. <laughs> That's okay. You're allowed to make bad games. It's not morally wrong to release a bad game, it's morally wrong to release a broken game and then not fix it. Um, Nason says nuking Megaton in Fallout 3. In choosing between the lives of scores of NPCs or seeing a cool cutscene with a mushroom cloud, I went for the cutscene. Sorry. See, this, I think that really mm. gets to the nub of the big problem when it comes to morality in video games is it's not, they're not real, they are just cartoons on a screen, and so actually there isn't any real consequence. Whoa, 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 whoa. They're interesting thought experiments that examine. 
But they almost always aren't. That's the problem. Yeah, they almost always aren't. But they yeah. can be. They, they could <laughs> the, be. The good thing. Yes. So I think there are times when, yeah, and, and I, th- I think normally it relies on the emotional reaction of NPCs around you because I think one of the biggest, the biggest, hugest problems with all of video games is player characters are atrociously written. They almost to the point where they just go, oh, well, the player can just, you know, fill in the gaps for the character they're playing. Whereas if imagine if your your character had a, a, an emotional impactful response to your actions, that would be a bit more interesting. But you're always dependent upon the NPCs around you tutting and rolling their eyes and making you feel bad. Mm. Anyway, sorry, I sidetracked. No, no, it's good points. Good points. Let's see what some other people have said. Uh, Half the island says most of the choices in Torment Tides of Numenera. Uh, the tide system made things less obvious than standard good versus evil. It meant thinking about consequences, taking the least bad option. Big thing was a focus on what your choices say about you as a person and how other people in the world think about you based on that. It was possible to make a good choice for selfish reasons and vice versa. So I think they had the same reaction as you did, Matt, to the tides of Numenera. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a good one to point to. A few people saying Walking Dead Season 1, which I know John will Ugh. love. <laughs> Ugh, such a... Such bad... Ugh. <laughs> um, is now, there's it, there's is an it... interesting thing. There's the morality of children in games. Is it morally repugnant to create a fictional child in order to torture it for an audience's entertainment? That's Walking Dead. <laughs> I'd say it's fine. No worries. Depends what the consequences of that are. Sure, they're just a AI, aren't they? Yes, but when you're live- approaching it, when it's purely just a fiction, Stephen King talks about that quite interestingly in um, uh, Bag of Bones, which uh, that you know, is it actually okay to create a character that people fall in love with in order to kill it or torture it? Yeah, it's good. In yeah. fact, <laughs> good decision decided. <laughs> But I mean, it's an interesting point because, like, film and books would create would would you have the same reaction to a film or a book that that had a child being tortured in it? I think it just depends how how the child is tortured <laughs> to, <laughs> to 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 word it in a horrible way. It's I just think, like yeah, there is, and this is I find I I hated it when people said this before I had a kid, but unfortunately, it turns out to be true your biology is rewritten in a fundamental and unavoidable way once you have a kid and suddenly your reaction to these things changes. So I remember, do you remember the trailer for, um, oh, what was the game where it was all in reverse and the kid gets thrown out the window, but it's all going back. Dead Island. Dead Island, that was it. And I remember saying, oh, it's a super cool trailer, it's great. And Eric Walpole of off of Valve emailing me to tell me that I was an idiot because it was hideous and he said when you have kids you'll understand I was like oh shut up Eric I'm not going to change my mind on what's artistically interesting when I have kids and, and he was right he was right but do you think it's oh. like morally bad though or is it just you thinking I don't want to watch that no no that, yeah for, certainly for that that side of it it's just personal taste but I think something like The Walking Dead which is the the role of Clementine was just I think it was just gross um and I don't think yeah I found I found it objectionable that they would invent a child that didn't previously exist in order to torture it I, I'm that's so weird I'm absolutely fine with it it well yeah the relationship between disgust and morality is a, is an interesting one 
um, I don't really have anything to go with. <laughs> but a, a few people are saying Walking Dead, and they're they're saying they're bringing that up. It's like um, Dan, one of the commenters, says first season of Walking Dead was horrific, difficult decisions everywhere, and they seemingly all involved choosing to kill children or not, and then a little sad face. Um, See, I I definitely think there's something problematic with just. Uh, is it though? We're just using it as a shorthand. Exactly, a, and that, sort of... that's why it's problematic. So it's not that the game. I'm not saying that the game is problematic. I'm saying that the the, the, the amorality is in the creation of the game. So this idea that oh, I'm going to make someone, I'm going to force someone to have a strong emotional reaction because I'm going to put themselves in this in this situation of choosing about whether children die or not. That that's the morally problematic part. The game so itself. So do you, is do you not... just think that it's emotionally manipulative of the creator to do something like that? Yeah, in the in the most crass way imaginable. It, oh, I mean, okay. I if you, if you earn like... it, it's different. If you earn this position of of you know, and if it's relevant to the story you're telling there's not there's no great relevance in oh i don't know Uh. but is doing something crass immoral or problematic for other reasons i think it's it's not the crassness i'm 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 struggling to argue make my point here i know but it's not that the crassness is immoral it's the creation of the crassness it's saying i'm going to um, rather than write my way to this deserved place of emotional resonance, I'm just going to take this really crass shortcut, which is, you know, torturing children in front of the player, um, because I know that will get me to this place I would rather have got to through uh, a long and a lot of hard work of creating an emotional bond in a much more complex way. Or I can just say, oh, look, child's in danger. Now you automatically and, and automatically press those biological buttons. I think it's a fair criticism. Um, let's see. Let's see what people on Facebook are saying. I haven't checked there yet. Um, Remy Hornung says having to kill your dog in Fable for the greater good. Uh, <laughs> I haven't played Fable. How is it the greater? How is it the greater good achieved by murdering a dog? <laughs> yeah, I'd love to um, see. That I can't up. remember. I did play a Fable, but maybe this might be Fable too because I think a dog was added later. Although people who um, bring woofing dogs into cafes and restaurants, I can totally see the moral greater good of murdering them. <laughs> the people and the dogs, that is. Um, Christian Ware says, tell Yennefer that Geralt loves her still or not in the uh, Witcher series. It took me a week to make that choice. Wow. Um, don't don't overthink that is what I would say. Um, I think the Witcher is fine. <laughs> a See, brave stance <laughs> my immediate reaction to that was it, it goes back to the consequences of not knowing thing and uh, well it all, it depends what your definition of suffering is and what counts as greater suffering than the other and whether not being ignorant of a fact that would make you unhappy is suffering we should bring you on every podcast Matt so you can we can go over to philosophy corner Let's go over to Ethics Corner and ask Matt how he feels about this game. I have loved this podcast so much. <laughs> um, Kieran Cummings says, I've never felt a tough ethical choice in any game. They're all just poorly executed trolley problems. I find games designed to insult one's ethics much more effective. No choices, just you must do this. Kind of how it m- might be in real life. So I don't know, maybe he would prefer games like Papers, Please... Or games with very hard coded or hard written ethical storylines, rather than games... press this button at the end of Deus Ex or this button at the end of Deus Ex. Yeah. 
Mm. I was just thinking games that expose contradictions within your own moral thinking. Yes. Those there's a really good bit and well the Red Strings Club in general is good, but there's a particularly good section where it just gets you to make a certain amount of statements and say certain statements and say, well, that doesn't add up, does it? And you're yeah. like, Yeah, you're right, yeah, there is a yeah. problem there. Yeah. Talos Principle is also great for that. Oh, that's a good game. I want to play that again, but I want to not have the memories of playing it last time. <laughs> So I want a new... I want a Talos Principles too. That's what I want. Yeah. yeah. Have you played the DLC? Yes, absolutely. Oh, gosh, it was wonderful. Very good. Yes, indeed. I'll link I'll link to our Talos Principle uh, reviews and coverage and stuff so people can read more about that. I hadn't realised that Tom Jubert... I don't know how you say his last name. Jubert? Jubert? It was the writer of Talos Principle wrote uh, Subnautica. I hadn't realised that until recently. Oh! So there you go, yeah. Cool. It suddenly explains why Subnautica's story wasn't uh, terrible. <laughs> it was good. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> Hmm. Alvaro Thalassinos, Thalassinos, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, says, for me, all the decisions regarding the genophage in Mass Effect trilogy were the toughest. You know Krogan are more dangerous now than ever after years of stillbirths and failed pregnancies. They are completely desperate, it really makes you think, especially after listening to Morden's perspective. You sound like, Alvaro, you sound like someone who didn't lift the genophage. <laughs> because the I way think... you're wording that makes it sound like you're already justifying what you've done. I lifted the genophage. But I lifted it straight away. It was very simple. Well, very straightforward. Okay, okay. For me. Well, but here's the question though: How high does the chance of the Krogans like subjugating or wiping out all other life in the galaxy? How high does that chance have to be before you're willing to risk? bringing them back and that chance maybe doesn't have to be that high like if there's a 10% chance or even a 5% chance you can play with that number as much as you want but my point is the probability of things being very 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 bad if you do that doesn't actually have to be that high for it to be a thing that isn't worth risking counterpoint the Krogan are incredible and if the entire universe was run by them it'd be okay (laughs) (laughs) I reject that statement on face value. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. I think Mass Effect is clearly so good at this sort of stuff, but the big mistake they made in that storyline was that they never actually made the Krogan seem particularly bad. Everyone, every Krogan you met seemed all right, really. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Yeah, they just seemed like misunderstood Klingons, didn't they? Yeah. I almost talked about Klingon morality earlier, but let's not go there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think reading the history of it made up for that a little bit for me. Like that was what was going in my decision-making mind was like, yeah, you're right that the individual presentation of the characters isn't good, but there's certainly it's set up by the lore of that world. Uh, There's a few other people saying uh, some games I wouldn't have thought of. Stuart Marshall says sacrificing a middling soldier to save two higher tier soldiers in XCOM 2. See you in heaven, Buzzsaw. <laughs> <laughs> I remember a very, I remember a very impactful moment playing the original Call of Duty. Um, it may have been Call of Duty 2, I forget, but it because it was a hundred years ago. But uh, I, I was just running up through a street, a German street, and. Um, Every time I ran up the street, I got mowed down by the tanks coming down from the top. Uh, and I kept having to reload to the same point. And then eventually I ran into a church and hid and watched all the other soldiers get mowed down by the tanks and then 
ran up the street afterwards and was fine. And that was one of the most impactful moments I've ever had in a game. It wasn't, it, it was certainly was a moral choice, but it was, yeah, that reminds me, the XCOM comment reminds me of that. Like survivor's guilt. Exactly. Well, yeah, but my means of surviving was atrocious. I could have been taking out guards and saving those soldiers. Instead, I just let them die so I could walk past a difficult bit in a game. <laughs> Bakagosh says, having to kill the animals in Minecraft to get their materials. And then there's a little concerned face. Oh, just having to kill animals in general. Um, This is the thing everyone's been saying about Monster Hunter. Um, which I've been playing a bit on my PS4 is the way that they, the way those creatures suffer and try and run away from you as you are trying to kill them is, is generally. I should come clean now and say that Becca Gosh is is my girlfriend and she is a vegetarian and she is doing this and it's so fun <laughs> to watch. <laughs> <laughs> See, I like it in Minecraft when you hit a pig and it turns into a pork chop. I think it's funny. <laughs> We're a big sack of leather. Yeah. 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 It's grand by me. I don't mind. Um, cool. I think that's all. That's all we'll read out right now. But there are quite a lot. I'll I'll link to the um, to the actual question on both Twitter and Facebook so people can read what other people have said because there's quite a lot of fun things there. But yeah, I think that's that's all we have time for really this week. Uh, do we have any moral summaries to make? What have we learned? Nothing. Uh, Matt? You, uh, reading RPS will make you a morally better person. Good takeaway. Good takeaway as far as I'm concerned. If you've enjoyed this, please tell your friends about it or leave a little review wherever it is you find it or press the little buttons that have hearts and thumbs on them. I don't know what they do. It's good for us. Maybe. Leaving reviews on iTunes apparently is the most important thing anyone can ever do. Um, yeah, I don't know why. Um, That's the thing that, <laughs> if for some reason, it's algorithms care most about that, and you get pushed up the charts if people leave positive reviews. Cool. Do that if you like us. If you want to submit your own suggestions for themes or topics that we can talk about in future, you can do that podcast at rockpapershotgun.com. Uh, we're always very grateful for that. This was. I should have said this at the beginning, this morality was actually an idea sent in by a reader, um, which I've been very, oh God, I've made a very terrible moral decision. I didn't read out who that was. Since this time we've done Matt's degree, can we next the next theme I'm on be philosophy, sorry, uh, theology and youth work? Uh, we'll, we'll think about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, th- th- yes, this suggestion for morality in games was suggested by Tom Frederick um from sydney australia and it was a a great um yeah it was a great topic to explore um he says i think the wolf among us is probably the game i've played that best explores this um so that's another telltale game uh so thank you very much tom frederick for for sending that in if you guys listening have other suggestions please do send them in because we we do appreciate it um if you want to find us we're on twitter at rock paper shot we're on facebook at rock paper shot uh we are individually on twitter john what are you at botherer and matt what are you at coxix with an extra x sorry i'm at brandy c thank you for listening and goodbye bye bye
I've broken my pan. This is an issue. Alright, I fixed it. Nope. I haven't fixed it. It just <laughs> launched halfway across the room because of the spring inside. 